The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Jesus' parents brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed to that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord.
Dear Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. And the word Epiphany means a sudden or striking realization. Just as the wise men had a sudden realization about who Jesus was when they followed the star and saw him at his birthplace, during the season after the Epiphany, we hear stories from Scripture that reveal Jesus' true nature. And today, we celebrate a very special feast day, a day that we don't often get to celebrate on a Sunday because it always falls on February 2nd on our Episcopal Saints calendar. On this day, we hear the wonderful story of Jesus being presented in the temple by his parents. Jesus' mother and father were, of course, devout Jews, and they were required by Jewish law, as Scripture tells us, by law and custom to present him in the temple and to offer a sacrifice to God and thanksgiving for his birth. Every firstborn son was to be dedicated to God in remembrance of the Israelites' deliverance from slavery in Egypt when the newborn sons of the Israelites were spared from death. Jesus and Mary would have traveled, Joseph and Mary, would have traveled from their home in Nazareth to the temple in Jerusalem. And that trip was about 64 miles, 104 kilometers. That was a very long journey in biblical times. It would have taken about five to seven days. When we think about how hard it is to travel with an infant today, by car or by plane, that's hard enough. And we know that walking all that way, or even riding a donkey, would have been a hardship, almost too hard for us to imagine in 2020. But Mary and Joseph believed that that journey was important. And this story reminds us of why God chose them to be Jesus' parents in the first place. They were deeply committed to their faith, and God wanted Jesus to grow up in a faithful household. And theirs was a faithful household. They followed the customs of their tradition, but it was much more than a blind legalism that they adhered to. Both Mary and Joseph had very personal experiences of God. In the Gospel of Luke, Mary receives a gloriously impossible announcement from God that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. And she has to trust that experience in the days and years ahead. Joseph, in the Gospel of Matthew, receives an angelic visitation as well, telling him not to be afraid to take Mary for his wife when she is with child. He had to trust that experience, that God was at work in his life in ways that he did not understand. Both Mary and Joseph kept the rituals of their faith, but they also brought a lived experience to those observances. They knew that God was at work in their lives and in their religious practices, and they knew that it was important to teach Jesus the importance of both, a daily connection with God 
and observing the rites of their faith. So they brought their baby boy at a great distance with considerable hardship, knowing that somehow, somehow God would act through it, perhaps in ways they wouldn't understand. And God was clearly at work in them and in others, as today's gospel explains to us. Simeon, a devout elderly man, was guided by the Spirit to go to the temple that day. As soon as they put Jesus in his arms, he had an epiphany. He knew in the depths of his soul that he had seen the Savior, that he was the Messiah, the promised one by God, who was anticipated by the Hebrew people for generation upon generation. And Simeon's response, praising God for letting him live to see the promise of the ages realized before his very eyes, and to bless, to have the profound privilege of blessing this holy child. His response is one of the great historic treasures of Christian liturgy that we still use today. His canticle, his song of thanksgiving, is called the Nunc Dimittis, Latin for the first words of his hymn. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised, for these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of his people Israel. The Nunc Dominus is part of our Episcopal service of Compline. Compline meaning complete. It's a service at the end of the day that's been part of Christian worship for centuries, where we complete our day with God. We remember that just as Simeon thought that his life was complete because he had seen the Savior, each of our days is complete as we prepare to sleep, resting in God. This canticle is also sung very often at the end of our funeral liturgy, and it reminds us that whether we pray it at the end of the day or whether it's prayed for us at the end of our life in this sacred space, that our peace in this life and in the next rests in God. The story of Jesus' presentation in the temple reminds us that God is the alpha and omega of our life, drawing a big circle around our lives. We come from God, we return to God, and God is with us every single day of this earthly life. And our Christian journey is about becoming more and more aware of that eternal connection that each and every one of us has. It is our birthright, that light of Christ shining within us that we're called to bear witness to. We see three generations represented in today's gospel. Anna and Simeon, the elders, brought the wisdom of their years of faithfulness and of the tradition that they so faithfully observed. God gave them eyes to see who it was right in front of them. They could interpret what God was doing through Joseph and Mary bringing Jesus into the temple. They had the gift of spiritual sight. Mary and Joseph, Jesus' mother and father, were involved in the daily rigors of parenting an infant. And they needed Simeon and Anna's experience and perspective as they brought Jesus that day. And Jesus, 
as a baby was completely dependent upon his parents to bring him up in the tradition. And that is an amazing thought in and of itself this morning, thinking about Jesus being the son of, Jer of Joseph and Mary and also of God, and that he was utterly dependent upon his human parents, whom God had so carefully chosen. Mary and Joseph's witness reminds us that God places an awful lot of trust and freedom to choose in us as human beings. A faith tradition, by definition, is a cradle-to-grave community endeavor. A ritual practice is at the ritual practices are at the very heart of that tradition. It's the tie that binds everyone together, grounding us in history and tradition. The older people share their accumulated wisdom, and the younger generations reinterpret it and make it their own in their day and time. When you think about church today and our culture, it's really the one place outside of our families of origin where we can truly have a multi-generational experience every week. And here at St. George's, we're especially blessed to have a great representation of people of every age. In our day-to-day -day lives, we tend to be very siloed. Older people with older people, younger people with younger people, parents with parents, children with children, teen with teens. But at church, we get to interact with everyone across the life spectrum. And everyone at church is equally valued for the contribution that they make to the whole, to the entire parish. And we have relationships that aren't based on where we are in life. The Annas and Simeons have so much to offer the Mary, Josephs, and Jesuses in our midst and vice versa. And introducing ourselves to someone who's in a different place in life can be such an enriching experience as we get to know that person and learn from them. It gets us out of our own private Idahos, out of our narrow confines of everyday life, and it helps us to appreciate others. I learned so much from parishioners here who are older than I am. I learn from their years of accumulated wisdom and experience. And I learn from people who are younger than I am. It really makes me, as I hear your questions and your concerns at your age, think about our faith in new ways. And the joy that I experience from the very youngest in our midst really makes my heart sing. Little ones who hold their hands out for communion with such wonder and a deep awareness that something very, very special and precious is going on. There's a reason that Jesus told his disciples that they needed to become like children to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Children have a felt connection with God, and they remind us that all of us have that connection. It's just that as we get older, often layers build up around that sense of peace that we have in God, and children help us to slough those layers off and get in touch with the ground of being, which is God. So we are all one body in Christ, and each and every person, whatever our age and our life experience, every person makes a contribution to the whole. 
And coming together each week really benefits us. When we hear 80-year-olds who are friends with 40-year-olds and people who are friends who have children with people who don't have children and teens who ask questions and challenge the status quo, and the practice of our faith, the rituals of our tradition ground us and they give us order and perspective in a chaotic and often overwhelming world. People have been worshiping the way we worship at St. George's for almost 2,000 years. Our liturgy is pretty old school, you have to admit. And yet, we bring a fresh perspective to it and we interpret it here in 2020. And we come together week after week and we realize that my life is bound up with your life and your life with each other and all of our lives bound up in Christ. Even though we're at very different places in life, we all have a fundamental need to be connected to God, to other people, and to our deepest and truest selves. Simeon and Anna looked into Mary and Joseph's tired eyes that day when they brought him to the temple courtyard. They looked into their eyes and they marveled at the love and the fidelity that they had for their son as they brought him to the temple to be blessed. They could see, Anna and Simeon, that these two parents wanted good things for their son. And Mary and Joseph gave Simeon and Anna the great gift of the hopefulness of this little child who would grow up to change everything and who still changes everything for us today if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people, Israel.